You're listening to Welcome to Books and Boba, a book club and podcast featuring books by Asian and Asian American authors. My name is Marvin Yue. And I'm Ri Rayu. And welcome to our first Books and Boba mid-month news review uh, for the year 2021. Rira, how's your new year been? Um, it's been going okay. I've been avoiding social media. Uh, which has been reporting a lot of garbage that's been happening as of late to this country. So it's been pretty mellow on my side. How about that's, you? That's probably a good call. I've been MIA on social media. Uh, I noticed that, you know how um, on Instagram, you, people do like your top nine for the year, like your top nine mm-hmm. images. Um, in 2020, I only had nine pictures total. <laughs> Yeah, I'm not I'm not a big Instagram user either, which is probably why Books and Boba, uh, our Instagram is pretty bare. Uh, and I apologize for that. Uh, we do have content. It's just we don't upload it. That's my fault, too. I've been uh, I've been being a little lax in creating audiograms of our episodes, but uh, I'm working on those. Where we're going to have some highlights from some of our best author interviews over the last year up soon. I promise. Um, but just this whole lockdown, quarantine, pandemic situation. I think I mentioned this on the podcast before, but I feel like I'm becoming more and more of a shut-in. Like, I know I'm being forced to be a shut-in, but I'm finding that I actually like it. It's, <laughs> it's a little... I'm telling you, it's not, it's not a bad life <laughs> being, a, being a shut-in. Yeah. Well, we're here today to talk about the latest book news in Asian American literature, um, we always start with the latest publishing deals, um, and it's a pretty light month. I guess January is typically a, just like not a big month for deals. It's it's a it's a dead month mainly <laughs> because uh, the holiday season has passed. But there are a couple, so um, let's get to them. Uh, Rira, what's our first deal? Our first deal is Amulet acquired my sister's big fat Indian wedding by Sajni Patel. The YA rom-com follows an aspiring violinist who must secretly juggle the obligations of her sister's extravagant wedding week with auditions for a prominent music contest. On top of all this, she must dodge her nosy family's matchmaking schemes. Publication is scheduled for spring 2022. Awesome title, by the way. <laughs> I feel like I feel like we've been seeing more and more of these like Asian wedding stories, right? You know what? Bring it. I love wedding stories. I love movies that take place during weddings. And it's just, <laughs> I don't know. I just like big party scenes. Yeah. I know I've mentioned that I've never been to an Indian wedding, but I hear they're pretty nuts. Um, Chinese weddings, we just eat a lot. Um, how are Korean weddings? I don't think I've been to one of those neither. Um, well, Korean weddings have definitely transformed a lot from... Uh, the traditional Korean weddings. Uh, so like for the Korean traditional weddings, like you wear like hanbok and there's like specific rituals. You drink alcohol and you catch dates with your skirt and whatnot. And a lot of a lot of couples don't do that anymore. 
um, it's become very streamlined and westernized. So um, I actually have a pretty funny story about about Korean weddings. So <laughs> last time I went to Korea, um, I went for my cousin's wedding. And it was my first Korean wedding that I was going to. And it took place at a wedding hall. Um, there's there's a bunch of wedding halls in this district in, in Seoul. And um, pretty much like what they do is like uh, the bride usually doesn't buy a dress. They can rent it from the wedding hall and they have like makeup artists and hairstylists. It's like all part of the package. So it's much cheaper. And the bride usually sits like in a sitting room where people come up and say congratulations and then they take pictures. So it's literally a place for people to just take pictures with the bride. And once the wedding starts, um, for my cousin's wedding, there was like a runway. Like it wasn't like an aisle. It was like a platform runway. Like a, like a modeling show? Yeah, like, it's kind of like a modeling runway. Okay. And every everything in the, the wedding hall was like super, I don't know. It it seemed more kind of like a um like a press conference in a way. It it didn't it was definitely like not like the romantic decorations that you see in American weddings. Um but they don't have bridesmaids, they don't have groomsmen. But what they do have are wedding singers. So what happens during the wedding is that they have like a performer. Sometimes it's a friend who can sing really well or a professional wedding singer and they serenade the couple. But the thing is, it's very awkward because the couple is just standing there watching the wedding singer like serenade to them. And it's like, it's just like, okay, well, (laughs) like no one is dancing. It's just like, them standing there and watching this stranger sing to them. And um, you have an option of having like a dinner and show pretty much. So people will be like eating while they watch the wedding happen. happen. (laughs) Sometimes uh, it's a buffet style. So for the buffet style, which was uh, what happened with my cousin's wedding, everyone who is invited to the wedding, they have to like, pay because like that is like the wedding tradition you pay money to help cover the cost of oh, yeah. like housing for them or whatever if you and ever then they go to e- like an asian wedding or like a chinese wedding everyone brings there's no wedding gifts everyone just brings red envelopes yeah like bring a- envelopes and there's yeah. like a set amount depending on how close you are to the bride and groom so if you're just like a co-worker it might just be like like 25 dollars or whatever uh, and like the closer you are, you pay more and they give you a ticket after you give like the money. And that ticket is <laughs> your ticket into the buffet. Oh. So <laughs> so it's like very it's very commercialized, very streamlined. Um, and it was very strange because I was overdressed for the wedding overdressed like passively but i i was just like oh like every like there are people who are just wearing button-ups and slacks uh there are women who are just dressed in business casual clothes and and Hmm. whereas like i'm wearing like a cocktail dress and i it it was (laughs) it was very very weird um but like the the wedding ceremony was very quick it was like 15 minutes tops and then people went to uh, 
to the buffet and then people just left. <laughs> well, yeah. So I mean, literally like the whole wedding lasted maybe like an hour and a half, including the food. There is no reception. There is no dance floor. It's just people get married in the morning or early afternoon. They go take pictures and then they eat and then they leave. And sometimes they go back to work. Wow. That's just like Korean efficiency for you. I know, right? <laughs> And, and, you know, like with like wedding photos, like, like China does this too. Like you go to wedding studios. So you try on like different dresses and then you take like a professional photo shoot and that is your wedding photo. It's a very big industry. And I think it's like, I think it's really bizarre and it takes away from the romance, but it's cheap. I mean, it's way cheaper than American <laughs> weddings. And it, it, when it comes down to it, like, do you want to pay like what $10,000 for a wedding or do you want like $10,000 for for like your future house probably want want the money for your future house and family so <laughs> there there's like a bright side to this streamlined commercialized wedding i mean yeah <laughs> korean weddings are weird that <laughs> I have yet to meet someone who has done the traditional wedding. Actually, no, Jessica Kim, uh, an author that we have interviewed on this uh, podcast, had a traditional wedding on top of a, okay. a a normal westernized wedding. I remember seeing pictures. Maybe maybe we can ask her on Twitter. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, yeah. what, like, what did you do for your traditional wedding? Because as a Korean, I really don't know my own traditions. So, yeah. All right. I think that was enough wedding talk. We, yeah. we can move on to the next book deal. Our next book deal. Erdman's bought world rights to picture book I Can Help, written by Reem Faruqi and illustrated by Michaela Privost. Zara loves spending time with Kyle at school, but when her classmates start teasing her for helping him, she starts making choices she regrets and resolves to do better. Publication is planned for fall 2021. So it sounds like, it sounds like a story about friendship with um, outsiders. Right. Yes. Those are the vibes that I'm getting from this book description. All right. And our final book deal is Penguin Classics acquired English rights to Indonesian author Budi Dharma's 1980 short story collection, Orang Orang Bloomington, or better known as People from Bloomington in English. The book follows a group of characters in Bloomington, Indiana, where Dharma lived for some time. Tiffany Sal will be translating the work. Cool. So from what I understand, uh, Budi Dharma is like one of the most celebrated authors in Indonesia. Um, he's very old. I think he's in his 80s. Oh, wow. And I don't know how many books he's written, but uh, since he's so well known, um, I'm guessing that he's written a lot. It seems like he's mostly a short story and essay writer. And uh, since this is a short story collection, um, I I think it might be the first one that's being translated. I'm not sure. Wow. But yeah, it's it's nice that like famous authors that we've never heard of overseas are getting the chance to have their work exposed to a wider audience. Yeah. And especially a story about, you know, immigrant communities in the Midwest. Um, I, I'm not familiar with his work, but I'm sure it'll provide perspectives that we're not used to. So, um, it's a good time for this book to come out. I think, I think people are open to reading these stories 
um, these days more than probably they were before. And yeah, congrats to um, Budi Dharma for spreading his work to the States or back to the States, I guess. All right. right, So we're going to move on to book news. Uh, Like like we said, January is a pretty dead month. Uh, So we have two quick uh, pieces of news. And the first piece of news that we have is DVCon is now accepting registrations until January 24th. Um, DVCon is the same, like, it's part of the same organization as DV Pit, uh, which is like a Twitter event where aspiring authors, they pitch their manuscript and agents and editors, they get in contact with them and uh, see if they can have a contract. And it's it's a very good uh, networking and um, community-based uh, event because they concentrate on authors and illustrators who are from marginalized communities. So DVCon is a two-day virtual conference, and they will be featuring DV Pit alums who got contracts through DV Pit. Um, they will be hosting a variety of panels. A lot of them are going to be informative um, on like how to finish your manuscript and how to network and like what to expect once you you know, once you have an agent and stuff like that. Um, so yeah, the deadline for that is January 24th. Yeah. Awesome. Our next and final piece of news for the month of January, um, Forever Lara Jean, the final installment of To All the Boys I've Loved Before, um, will release on Netflix on February 12th, 2021. I imagine this is based on Always and Forever Lara Jean. Um, the third book of the series. And the trailer was just released earlier this week. So if you want to check that out. Yeah, the trailer is available on YouTube. I've only seen it once, but um, it seems like a lot of things happen. Um, It's senior year, both for Lara Jean and Peter. And they're both planning to, you know, go to Stanford and um, continue their relationship. But it turns out that... um, while Peter gets accepted to Stanford, probably on a sports scholarship, uh, Laura Jean's acceptance is kind of up in the air. And uh, I think the show, I think the movie is going to concentrate a lot on what's going to happen once they have a long distance relationship. Are they, you know, are they going to go to the same school? Um, how is their relationship going to grow? I know that there's a scene where they go to New York City for their senior grad trip and uh, Lara Jean falls in love with the city. So I'm guessing that, you know, she's having second thoughts about Stanford and um, thinking about a school in New York City. That is my guess from watching the trailer. Okay. Um, And from watching the trailer, I realize that it's going to be very different from the book, which isn't a bad thing. Okay. Yeah. So for all you fans um, interested in the conclusion of the film version of the Two All the Boys trilogy, yeah, it's coming in the month, just in time for Valentine's Day 2021. They did that for the last film, too. Yeah. Um, Since we have a light month with book deals and book news, I thought it would be cool to share some uh, 2021 books that I'm keeping my eyes on. Marvin, I'm pretty sure that some of the books I've picked you're interested in, too. so I'm just gonna I'm just gonna go through chronologically which um, by like which book is gonna come out first. And, all right, all right. So the first book that I have on my 
list is The Comeback, a figure skating novel by E.L. Shin. And it's a middle grade contemporary, and it's set in Lake Placid, New York. And from what I'm guessing from the synopsis, it's a mostly white town. And the book explores racism, female rivalry and friendship, and unconditional support from family and friends. And it's about a 12-year-old girl named Maxine Chen, who is determined to make it through sectionals and nationals on the ice. Her parents worry that competitive skating is too much pressure for her. And at school, a bully starts teasing Maxine for her Chinese heritage and calls her racial slurs. So while she is struggling at school, she's also struggling at the rink because there is a new skater named Holly whose skills threaten to edge Maxine out of the competition. So this book comes out on January 19th, 2021. So literally three days from where we are uh, when we are recording this podcast. And I think Marvin knows why I am looking forward to this book. (laughs) Well, we all know how big a fan you are with anything that involves figure skating. Yes. Uh, (laughs) Although I've fallen off the the figure skating news. There's COVID has really thrown everything off. So. Um, yeah. And the next book I have on my list, we've we've talked about this book on the podcast before. And I remember you said that you're interested in reading it, Marvin. Yeah. Um, it's a fa love story by Lone Lee. And it's a YA contemporary rom-com. And it's it's it follows the trope of family rivalry. So for years, the Mai's and Yuen's have been at odds, having owned competing neighboring pho restaurants. And their children, Bao and Lin, have avoided each other for most of their lives because of this feud. And they believe that the feud is coming from a... There's like a deeper reason other than friendly competition. And um, a chance encounter brings Lin and Bao in the same vicinity, despite their best efforts, and sparks fly. And the book releases on February 9th, 2021. Yeah, I love it. It's like Romeo and Juliet, but with pho restaurants. And hopefully less murder-suicides. I love restaurant war-like stories. (laughs) Especially, you know how, um, I don't know how it is with uh, you and your friends, but when I was in high school, and in college, deciding which place to go to was like a battle because everyone had their preference, right? This place has better noodles. This place has better broth. This place has a better menu. And I feel like, yeah, I want to see all that nuance captured in this book. Yeah. Um, I There weren't a lot of Vietnamese places uh, back in Georgia. And surprisingly, there weren't that many in uh, Manhattan either. So... When I like, I think the first time I had really good pho was when I moved to LA, which is not surprising (laughs) considering the Vietnamese American community here. Yeah. Actually, I haven't like, like the Asian food scene in LA is like, you can't beat it. It's pretty good. Um, You got to head to where uh, Rira and I live in like east of LA uh, in the San Gabriel Valley. This is where the prime, I guess, Vietnamese and Chinese places are. Um, if you want good Korean food, we got some good Korean food here. Um, K-Town's probably still the best place. Um, and for Vietnamese, yeah, for Vietnamese around where we are or down um, south in like Westminster, I think is where where the good places are. I, I heard that the new K-Town is in Fullerton. 
Uh, I haven't been to Fullerton in a very long time. Fullerton so has a lot of great true. Korean places, for sure. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, for sure. So yeah. some of you might not have to go all the way to K-Town. <laughs> it's kind of a hassle to get there, to be perfectly honest. Yeah. I mean, the, um, Korean, the next book... I feel like the Koreans have been moving east and south um, out, out of K-Town for like the last few decades, too. So um, there's definitely there's definitely been a spread of Korean going around um h smarts are popping up everywhere so that's how you know oh thank god <laughs> you know like in georgia there were a lot of koreans so there were like three h marts in in like my vicinity yeah. growing up so i'm so excited that more h marts are popping up <laughs> so the next book on my list is clara and the sun by kazuo ishiguro and this is the first novel since Kazuo was awarded the Nobel Prize in Literature in 2017. And it is a sci-fi novel that tells the story of Clara, an artificial friend with outstanding observational qualities, who from her place in the store watches the behavior of those who come in to browse and of those who pass on the street outside. She remains hopeful that a customer will soon choose her. But when the possibility emerges that her circumstances may change forever, Clara is warned not to invest too much in the promises of humans. And this releases on March 2nd, 2021. I'm actually kind of interested in this book. Um, like, I think it's also like a realistic sci-fi novel from, from what I hear. So I mean, it might be similar to Never Let Me yeah, Go. Yeah, I mean, it's not what Kazuo Ishiguro does is like write like subtle sci-fi. Um, that's more about, you know, the hu- what, what it means to be human. I'm, I'm just saying I'm ready to be devastated again with this book because um, Never Let Me Go kind of ruined me for a while. I mean, okay, listen, <laughs> like. If you listen to that episode um, where we talk about Never Let Me Go, I remember you saying that it was an optimistic book. Yeah. I mean... It's, prob- it's probably the happiest of Kazuo Ishiguro's work. Mm. I haven't read the one about the Nazi butler yet, but uh, looking forward to this one. <laughs> um, so the next book that I have on my list is The Committed by Viet Thanh Nguyen. And it is actually the sequel to The Sympathizer, uh, which was a former book club pick for Books and Boba. And um, it follows The Sympathizer after he arrives in Paris as a refugee with his blood brother, Bon. Uh, They turn to drug dealing to escape their pasts and prepare for their futures. And The Sympathizer falls in in with a group of left-wing intellectuals and politicians who frequent dinner parties given by his French Vietnamese quote-unquote aunt. And uh, his new life poses new dangers, including oppression of the state, addiction, and the seemingly unresolvable paradox of how he can reunite his two closest friends who have worldviews that put them in absolute opposition. So it's been a while since we've read The Sympathizer. Yeah, but so this, you remember the ending, right? Yeah, so this is going to be a direct sequel. Yes. Okay. That's I don't know how much time passes, but you know, like at the end of the sympathizer, um, his friend messes him up. Yeah, <laughs> quite a lot. I mean, I feel like on one hand, I'm glad that Vietan when is following up his, you know, his his very well well received um, novel. On the other hand. Did it need a sequel? I guess we'll find out. I mean, yeah, we'll find out. <laughs> I mean, I trust in Vietnam Wen to 
you know, write a a pretty good follow-up to The Sympathizer. Um, I mean, The Sympathizer won a Pulitzer Prize. So yeah. clearly he is a very skilled writer. And, you know, I'm going to... I'm going to place trust in him. <laughs> Sometimes sequels are more impressive than the first novel. So um, I am excited to take a crack at it once it comes out. But do you also remember, I mean, but do you also remember how like the last like part of the series of the first novel was written? Like, do you think that style, that stream of consciousness style is going to be how this whole entire book is? I don't know. I mean, I'm guessing that it would be. Like, because it sounds like it's in first person, mm. but I don't know if it's going to be, I don't know if it's going to do the thing uh, where it breaks the fourth wall. <laughs> so we'll, we'll, we'll see. Yeah. Uh, I'm not the, I, I'm not like the biggest fan of um, stream of consciousness writing, but <laughs> I, like I said, Vietuan Wen is very good at what he does. So I'm trusting that this book is going to be um, pretty good. Yeah. And the next book, I'm pretty sure that you're going to be pretty excited about, Marvin. Uh, it's from Zen Cho. Oh, nice. Uh, her new book, Blackwater Sister, is a Malaysian contemporary mm-hmm. fantasy. And it follows Jasmine Teo. Teo? Sorry if I pronounced the name incorrectly. But uh, she is a closeted, broke um, young adult who is moving back to Malaysia, a country that she left as a toddler. Um, while she is there, she hears the voice of her dead and estranged Ama, who was once a spirit medium and claims to be the avatar of a mysterious deity called the Black Water Sister. Uh, Ama has a score to settle with a gang boss who has offended the deity and decides to make Jess help her. And this book comes out in May, uh, May 11th, 2021. Yeah. Sounds You've interesting. read all of Zen Cho's books, right? I mean, I've read her two novels, um, Sorcerer of the Crown and True Queen. I did not read her novella yet, but contemporary fantasy sounds pretty cool. I think um, uh, I'm interested in seeing what that means um, in this context, um, but more contemporary fiction that has to do with Asian myths is always going to be a good thing in my book. Yeah, I mean, The True Queen, that was also based on Malaysian folklore. So um, I'm glad that she's adding more to the canon. Yeah. And the next book I have on my list is Made in Korea by Sarah Suk. It's a YA contemporary rom-com. I'm sorry that this list has a lot of YA contemporary rom-com, but like that is my hey, genre. It's that is your list. That so. is my jam. So <laughs> This is my podcast. This is my list. I can read whatever the hell I want. Um, and this is about two high school. Um, it's about two high schoolers who are rivals in a competing Korean skincare business. So we have Valerie Kwan, who runs VNC K Beauty, which is the most successful student run enterprise in her school. And her goal is to make enough money to take her grandmother to Paris. And we have Wes Jung, who is a new kid on the block and is determined to pursue music after graduation. But of course, his parents are not so happy about that. And after seeing his classmates clamor to buy K-pop branded beauty products that his mom gave him to make friends, he creates his own business to help cover his music school tuition. Obviously, this rubs Valerie the wrong way, and they try to outsell each other while trying to resist the spark that's crackling between them. 
And that and this book comes out on May 18th, 2021. I love how we have two books that follow the same general, like, what, do you, what would you call it? Like, um, not a trope, but like... Um, yeah, like one of my favorite subgenres in romance is uh, like workplace rivals. <laughs> like two two people are competing for the same promotion or, you know, they're they're in like the same business, but they're trying to beat each other. So it's nice that there's like a YA version of this. And, you know, with like K-beauty, it's it's a very like very specific type of business that you normally don't see high schoolers dabble in. So I am very interested in seeing how that works. <laughs> um, the next book that I have on my list, uh, it's also by an author who we have read in this book club, uh, The Chosen and the Beautiful by Nevo, who is the author of Empress of Salt and Fortune. And the book is a speculative riff on The Great Gatsby. So it's a historical fantasy novel and it is set in the 1920s, and the book reimagines golfer Jordan Baker as a queer Asian-American adoptee navigating the jazz age while learning to control her elemental magic. And this book releases on June 1st, 2021. Empress of Salt and Fortune was a great book. Yeah. Um, so I am excited to to read this. I mean, like a speculative riff on The Great Gatsby <laughs> with... You know, with, with like a queer Asian American, that you know, that sounds very. It's a very interesting revolutionary. Setup. Yeah, um, I'm interested to hear more about it. All right, so the last book I have on my list um, is "You've Reached Sam" by Dustin Thau. Um, it is a magical realism YA contemporary novel. And it follows 17-year-old Julie, who has her future planned out after graduation, uh, move out of her small town with her, with her boyfriend Sam, attend college in the city, spend the summer in Japan, but everything changes when Sam dies. Desperate to hear his voice one more time, Julie calls Sam's cell phone just to listen to his voicemail. But Sam picks up the phone. Julie is given a second chance to say goodbye, but the connection is temporary, and with each phone call, letting go becomes harder, especially with witnessing the suffering of Sam's family. And this book releases on November 2nd, 2021. The cover was actually revealed earlier this week on uh, Dustin's uh, Twitter, and it's a really beautiful cover. Yeah. And, um, you know, you should never judge a book by its cover but <laughs> it's a really nice cover and the story sounds like the story sounds beautiful and interesting so i, mean, I like i can't wait definitely slap on that tragedy tab on this because it sounds like it's also gonna be a um savage read for your emotions probably it reminds me of a korean drama that i saw a long time ago but i don't remember the title was it the lake house no <laughs> Isn't that isn't that the movie with um, Keanu Reeves and Sandra Bullock? The, it is, the but remake? that was based on the Korean story, right? Yeah, yeah, it, it was a remake. Never yeah. watched, never watched that. Never watched <laughs> the Korean version. Never uh, watched the American version. Yeah, one book that wasn't on your list that is on my list is actually Jade Legacy by Fonda Lee, the third book of her Greenbone Saga that's coming out, I believe, in September. Let me see. 
Um, yeah, September 21st, 2021. Um, this is the third book of the Greenbone Saga, which started with Jade City, followed by Jade War. For those who are familiar with the Greenbone Saga, it's a contemporary crime fantasy story about a, a family of mystical warriors that run the city of Kekon and about their fights with a rival gang and their struggles with um, a modernizing international community. Um, and this is the third book. Um, it's actually been a couple years since the last book, so I'm really excited for this uh, for this finale. Uh, Fonda recently posted on Twitter that the story of Jade Legacy spans over 20 years. So we're going to see like multi-generational um, oh members of that family. Um, so kind of like The Godfather Part 3, I guess. Um, but yeah, no, super excited for the conclusion of this series. Um, the story is great. The first two books are great. I recommend anyone who's interested in, you know, um, contemporary Asian inspired fantasy crime fiction to check it out because um, the fight scenes are great. The 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 um, representation is awesome, and just the the characters are all super super engaging. And we also talked to uh, Fonda in a previous episode. So if you want to learn more about the book, uh, you can listen to that episode. Also, Jade City is going to be made into a series. Yeah. I remember us reporting that. So yeah, I mean, read the book before it comes out. Yeah. Um, thanks so much, Rira, for compiling that list. Hopefully we gave everyone some additional titles to add to their TBR list for 2021. Um, it's great to see that there are still a lot of books to look forward to reading in the upcoming year. Um, and who knows, maybe some of these will become a future book club pick. Or we'll have some of these authors that show up for author interviews <laughs> in the future. Yeah. Um, so many possibilities. Speaking of book club picks, um, Rira, remind us what we're reading for January 2021. So we are reading The Magical Language of Others by E.J. Coe. And it is a memoir. And again, I'm going to give the trigger warning of eating disorder. Um, I don't know if there are more trigger warnings, but, you know, go in with caution. Yeah. And a quick reminder that you can find many of the books and authors mentioned on our podcast, including our book club picks, by going to our bookshop.org website. Um, you can check that out by going to bookshop.org slash shop slash books and boba. Um, and you can also find a link on our website. All books that you purchase through our bookshop.org portal um, directly supports this podcast so we appreciate um, any business you can send our way and it also supports independent bookstores across the country and i guess that'll do it for this episode of books and boba thank you so much for joining us once again um rira as always uh, thanks for compiling the book news and um letting us know what's coming up my pleasure <laughs> i will see you for our discussion episode yeah Thanks for listening, everyone, and we'll see you next time on Books and Boba. All right, bye. Thanks for listening to Books and Boba. This podcast was hosted by Marvin Yue and Rira Yu and edited and produced by Marvin Yue. Follow the book club on Twitter and Instagram by going to at Books and Boba and engage with us on Goodreads on our Goodreads group. You can also check out past episodes of the podcast by going to booksandboba.com and by subscribing to us on your favorite podcast app. Don't forget, you can support Books and Boba and Asian American authors by purchasing books at our bookshop.org account. Check out the link in our show notes and also at booksandboba.com. Books and Boba is a proud member of the Potluck Podcast Collective, a collective of Asian American hosted podcasts featuring unique voices and stories from the Asian diaspora. 
Learn more about The Collective and check out our fellow Potluck shows by visiting the website podcastpotluck.com. Thanks for listening. Hey, I'm Phil Yu, and you may know me from a blog called Angry Asian Man. And I'm Jeff Yang, author, journalist, and celebrity dad. We host a podcast called They Call Us Bruce, an unfiltered conversation about what's happening in Asian America. Each week or so, we host a discussion about some of the most vital and interesting topics in our pop culture and our community, bringing in guests who are shaping and informing this thing called Asian America from Hollywood to D.C. and beyond. Uh, we got media, entertainment, food, family, politics, representation, the good, the bad, the WTF of it all. So check us out wherever you get your podcasts or at theycallsbruce.com. Peace. Peace.